0: If you want it. God's got it. He's got everything you need. If you want it, God's got it. He's got everything you need. If you want it, God's got it. He got everything.
1: Hey, everybody, this is John Campbell with the Like David Project podcast. Thank you so much for sticking with us. We're at one month. This is the fourth show, so we're, we're in a groove. This is working. We've got listeners. We've got questions. We've got answers. We've got topics. Uh, we've got followers on Facebook. This is uh, exciting. Um, so thank you so much for listening and making this a success. Uh I just wanted to beyond thank thank everybody. I just wanted to go over a couple things uh for about the like David project. Um I wanted to open up the the like David project to everybody. If you want to be involved, if you want we're looking for guest hosts, guest uh anybody who wants to be on the show. Um if you just want to come sit in and just kind of witness what's going on uh you're more than welcome we record here on tuesdays at about nine thirty a.m 10 a.m depending um but it's tuesdays morning from nine thirty a.m to 10 a.m we get started um and uh feel free to come by and, and just listen or uh be a part of it uh and if you got any ideas for the show like always um if you've got any topics or whatnot, just go ahead and go to the Contact Us on the on the Like David Project homepage or send it to the Facebook account. Uh, there's numerous ways to send us a topic, question, idea. Rem- I'm not going to press too much. Last week, I really begged and pleaded for questions, and this week, I was, I was starting to get nervous because we didn't really have many questions. Nobody was re- sending anything. We literally only had one until the night before, and then... I kind of put out a post, you know, please and questions because we want to do the show, you know, and it does, you know, just anything. It could be anything. Why does God exist? You know, what does he look like? Is he cool? You know, whatever. Um, And people responded, thankfully. Uh, (laughs) It was a response to prayer as well. Uh, And thank you so much for those that responded with questions. Really, you really make the show uh, a success. You really, we really love to do the show when we know that people are listening and get involved so thank you so much for asking questions and we we got to all the questions and i think we got some really cool answers and we were able to make a whole show out of it and i really think that it'll be a success that we're gonna as more people listen we're gonna get more people you know subscribing and listening every week and now will mean when we need questions it'll they'll come in um Actually, I don't know if you remember, but on the first show, I, I, a goal of mine for Like David Project was to be able to do it live, to do it here at Cornerstone, put up a stage in the sanctuary, put up a table in the sanctuary. Um, and do kind of like a panel question and answer time uh, for like an hour in conjunction with a worship night. Uh, our worship night is called Reveal. We actually have one coming up, a little shameless plug. On August 13th at 5 o'clock, we're going to have a worship night. It's going to be very different, very new. Uh, we want to have everybody playing instruments if they want to. But um be uh, keep your ears open because there's going to be more to follow on that. I'm actually going to talk about it next week on the on the podcast. But uh, my goal is to be able to do the the podcast for an hour in conjunction with a worship night, and then you can answer questions live, and then we can post the podcast during the week, and then you can go back whenever you want and listen to it. listen to it. Um, so be thinking about that. If you think that's a good idea, if you think that's something that you would come see or that you would like to witness, then let me know uh, or or Matt or James or just send a message and just let us know that you're in it. Uh, and that way we know that, it, that people will show up or at least listen. Um, so we want to do it live. Uh, and, and we're not talking right now, maybe a month from now. Uh, and I think that would be good. And uh, that will kind of give the Like David Project, a uh, a kickstart. You know, I think I really think that'll be the the we'll, we'll get a lot of listeners from that, and uh, we can go over anything and everything. So. Uh, that's all I really wanted to go over with you, uh, just as a little introduction. I sat down with James and Matt yesterday. We went over all your questions. Again, thank you so much for them. They were great questions. Uh, that's pretty much all I got. I hope you enjoy listening to this week's uh, episode. As always, let us know what you think on the Facebook site or on the on the Like David Project website, which is www. The Like David Project, that's all one word, the Like David Project, dot Guten Site, which is G as in Girl, U is in Umbrella, T as in Tom, T as in Tom, E as an Echo, N as in Nice, S as in Sierra, I as in India, T as in Tango, E as an Echo dot com. Charlie Oscar Mike. <laughs> I was in the military for six years. I should've I should have did it phonetically. It would be golf, golf, umbrella, tango, echo, November, Sierra, India, Tango, Echo. That's right. Guten Site. G-U-T-E-N S-I-T-E. I think I said two T's at the beginning. G-U-T-E-N-S-I-T-E. Dot com So it's the like David Whew! I spent way too long trying to explain that. <laughs> That's okay though. But, anyways, I am uh, happy that you're here to listen and hope you enjoy the show. Have a good one. Well, today is question answer day. Sounds kind of cheesy. I was trying to think of a name for it, but I don't know. I remember. I used to scoff at... You remember the Bible Answer Man? Yeah. Hank Hanegraaff? Is that the same guy that... It's just not really stupid because it's not. The guy that gave prophecy about the world ending in me. No. That
2: was,
1: What was that guy's name? I don't remember his name.
3: He was uh, the Answer Man until he came up with Crazy Prophecy. And he became the Crazy Prophecy Man. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. I think Hank Hanegraaff's
2: still around. I don't know. <clears throat>
3: There's been a lot of different Bible answer men throughout the ages on TV and et cetera. Yeah. Because everybody
1: likes to be kind of a, a really big deal. <laughs> I I enjoyed one, and I found it by accident. And I don't watch a lot of Christian TV at all just because it's a lot of it's irrelevant. Um, Come on, you can admit it. It's just us and our listeners. I don't. But I... I <laughs> It was on for some reason, and I must have fell asleep, because it was just like I woke up one day, and there was a show on called Ask the Pastors, and it had pastors, and I told you about this earlier, or a couple months ago, it had pastors from different denominations, and it was like a Pentecostal, a Baptist, a Methodist, you know, like it it was a panel instead, and they took different questions over the phone, so they couldn't like... You know, research and it was. I thought it was a better layout for that type of, you know, show where you're, you're having questions answered. When you have one guy, I think that's kind of exalting, you know, or kind of you can it could be played the it's wrong wisdom way. in the council. It's things. like, I'm the Bible answer man, and come <laughs> to me, and, you know, Jesus died, now I'm here. <laughs> 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 so, if you have any questions? I'm um, the go-to guy. But a panel of people that realize they're from different backgrounds, and then they would discuss. And st- it was it was interesting for the 15 minutes I watched. But um, So how would you describe our panel? Three dudes. <laughs> three
3: dudes. Three dudes taking questions. I got questions for three dudes. That's <laughs> <laughs> why. You might have just come up with a, a brand new... Uh, title for there a segment of our show, rather than Q and q and A right three <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Q&A> D. <3D. laughs>
1: three dudes in a question. Um, I on the I put buffers in the podcast, and on the last one, I asked anybody that was listening to think of any questions that they have about anything. You know, try to keep it around. God, but, you know, science, history, you know, the Bible, what have you, and we got a couple, we got a few, um, so I wanted to ask you guys some of these questions, and I mean, some of them are going to be easy, and we, have, I can tell that it's not going to be like a half hour, but some might be a little bit more, longer in length. And uh, we've never heard these questions until right now, right? That's right, so, disclaimer. <laughs> I sent you one, <laughs> but I didn't get any until i the one I sent you was the only one that I got until last night. I think it's cool. I like going in just you know not knowing yeah, not knowing to be that, raw, yeah, yeah yes. right because that's that's the feature set of q and a three d there i don't I don't think there's anything here that's we can get in trouble with nothing too bad uh um, oh, we'll do our best first question is. Well, the question was: Should Christians read the Quran? And it was—I mean, that was basically the only question: Should Christians read the Quran? But I—I I mean, I would re-ask the question and say: Should Christians study other religions? It would probably be more appropriate because um, you could read a lot of other different material. Should Christians read the Book of Mormon? Should Christians—I mean, you could—that can go different ways. Um, but would it be? non-biblical for you to read another religion's text, holy text, if you will? Short
2: answer I would say is uh, no, it's not unbiblical. Yes, I would be interested in reading it. I've never read the Quran, um, although I've had opportunities to, and I've I've looked at scriptures in it. But yeah, I think out of a desire to be more educated, um, to understand um, opposing point of views, Um, i read works that are published by skeptic atheists and so why would i not want to also get a better understanding of of another religion i i wouldn't have any problem with it i guess the fear might be in some people's mind that you read something like that and there's a risk that you might be converted to another religion or if you read something by an atheist you might you might lose your faith um and i think if your faith is at a at a sort of baby stage where there's the, it's potentially vulnerable. It might, you might out of prudence not want to read it then, but if you've got a firm grounding in what you believe and you're able to, to think about it and prayerfully approach something just for the purpose of understanding it better, I think there's a great value in it.
3: I'd like to thank if you're listening, the person who sent in that question, that's a good question. And thank you for sending that in to us. We appreciate that. My thought is, as Matt was talking about reading different things and being open and, except for not being open to the fear that we might be corrupted somehow, the thought I had was it's the Holy Spirit that leads us into all truth. And even before we never opened a Bible, there was that Holy Spirit drawing us. I think we've all probably experienced that before we accepted Jesus or before we ever really read our first chapter in the Bible there was something inside our heart that was drawing us to to the Word of God and to to Jesus. And I know that for me, when I read the Bible, I can just read the words and I could read a whole page and say, what did I just read? I have no idea. Uh, Whereas if I approach reading the Word of God by saying, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me through your Word? And as I read the Word of God then, that's when the it's like it. the light shines on it. It's illuminated all of a sudden. It all of a sudden makes sense. All of a sudden I begin to understand things or read things that I've never read there before. That's why after many, many years of reading the Bible, you can still approach it uh, and learn something new. So I think if you apply that concept of it's the Holy Spirit that leads us into all truth, I think we can read the the Quran or or read, you know confucius i mean we could we could read anything and we would know kind of in our knower we would know in our heart in our spirit if we're reading something that's truth or something that's not truth and so we don't, there's no need to be afraid right.
1: yeah, i think it's it's not you learn something from looking at other religions or looking at and it it goes hand in hand i've been watching a lot of Anti-Christian or anti-Jesus documentaries on Netflix, and I and I'm interested in what they have to say and what their debate is or what they and, and yeah, what
2: questions they raise. Yeah,
1: exactly. What questions do they raise? And am I able to 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 dig deeper? Am I able to have have my own opinion on what? The, on the questions that they raise and it's really attacking those questions and and head on by, by looking at that or watching that and I find a lot of, I get a lot of interest in that because I don't, I think it's important not to live in a box and shelter yourself and I mean there is a creepiness factor if you have a Quran on your coffee table, you know, you might have to explain that to somebody but um, I think there, it's important not to live in a box and just block out all the, the questions that go against what you believe. Because I think we're, it's good to question what you believe at a certain point. I did that at a certain point where I had to not question, but figure out why I believe what I believed and look into it and really study what it is that I believe. Not because somebody told me, but because I looked it up and looked at the scripture myself and said, yeah, that's, that's, I align with that or, you know, my heart, the Holy Spirit is telling me that's, that's, that's the good stuff. So, I mean, I, not only do I think it's not wrong, I think it's educational in a sense and it makes, you know, it's kind of gives you the armor of God and be in one sense.
2: I think it's also important to, to know why you choose to reject something as well Mm -hmm. and not just, just follow um, as you said, not just to to follow what somebody else says, but do you know why it's wrong, and and you know just a, a cursory little bit of research into something to improve your your understanding, and whether it's the Quran or whether it's a Christian book, I mean, there's a lot of books published as Christian books, and mm-hmm. uh, do we we have to have the same approach with them? We can learn truth through those, as the Holy Spirit has revealed truth to an author. But if it's not the Bible, then we we can't guarantee that everything that we read is is sound biblical truth either. Yeah. You have to be discerning when it's a Christian book that you are able to glean truth and reject anything that's false. Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting too. The
3: uh, this is like just slightly off topic, but since we're talking about reading the inspired Word of God. Uh, A a theological term that's used is exegesis, which has to do with looking at verses and trying to exegete or to try to figure out what the author's original intent was. And that's where when we're reading the Bible, sometimes people get off onto these crazy tangents that become arguing points rather than talking points in a good way because they're missing what the author's original t- intent of the of the verse was. And I think that it's important that when we're reading whatever it is, the Koran or the Bible, of course we read the Bible more, but to try to discover what was, you know, in the context of what was being said, in the context of... Uh, Who it was what, written to. Yes, all those things we're trying to discern... What was
1: the author's original intent as he was writing this down?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: That can really change a lot what you read and how you take it in. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and proper exegesis always tries to draw out the intended, the original meaning rather than to read into it something that supports your own presuppositions yeah. or your Ex- own ideas. Ex- exegesis. Exegesis. Exegesis, exegesis yeah. is drawing out. Yeah. Eisegesis would be to read into it something that you hope to find. Yeah. Yeah. Something that you that supports what you believe. Exegesis is to draw out the truth, to draw out the original intent, um, the original um, point that that's being conveyed. Author's original intent. Yeah.
1: yeah. Would that have... If you're willing to share, have you read any, have you had, have, have you ever read any other religions, holy word or whatever? Have you ever read the book of Mormon, the grand or something like that? I have read excerpts from many
2: faith books, um, in the past. In fact, uh, growing up in England in high school, you have to do a, a class. It's a required class called religious education. And the purpose is to give you a, a um, an appreciation of world religions. In fact, the only religion they don't really educate you on is Christianity, but they'll do a survey of Judaism, of Hinduism, Buddhism, um, and so I, I've at some point in my life I have studied um, at least like basic beliefs and important works, uh, but. It, we all forget half the things that we ever learned in high school, so I can't <laughs> yeah. can't say that that's I'm an really expert. But I I have had an appreciation for some of those other belief systems and and how they operate.
1: All right, I read Siddhartha, which was I don't know I don't think that's it's a, related to Buddhism. It's not a, uh, and I didn't know it was a Buddhist like is one of their main readings. Um, I, I think it's, I mean, it's a story, but it, it was, it dates back into, it's about Buddha and whatnot, but I was, uh, and it's really short. It's not a long. It's not like reading the Bible. It didn't take it took me like a week to read it, but, um, I read it on accident. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody gave it to me, like, gave it to me. It was like, you should read this. And I did. And then it was, I didn't understand it at all. And I knew it was about Buddha or it was in that time frame. And then later on, I found out that it was like an actual, like recommended reading of Buddhist or something like that. I could be completely wrong, but, um, I've heard it pop up every now and again. Um, I know this question is going to be a pretty short answer, but do you believe God prefers one political party over another? <laughs> no. No, <laughs> that's kind of my refute. Uh, that's always what I say, though. Jesus wasn't a Republican or a Democrat. You know, when people ask or a conservative
2: him, or a liberal, <laughs> I, I, right. I think I don't think politics ever really crossed his mind. I don't think so either. Uh, and
3: it's interesting; he lived in a highly charged political environment. Yeah. But yet he never once spoke about it. He never once talked about it.
2: He always talked about the kingdom of God. The only thing I remember him saying was render unto Caesar what is Caesar. Yeah. So it was complete deference almost to the, or, or on disinterest in the political system.
3: Yeah. And even that was the idea of, uh, the governmental part of it, not necessarily the political part of it. Right. It was paying your taxes. Yeah. About paying your taxes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Do what you're, do whatever you're responsible for yeah. you know, be responsible to the government that you're under is, was yeah. his point. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I think it's very, it has a great question. I am so glad that somebody, and thank you. Whoever wrote that yeah. in, we appreciate that because all it takes is, you know, looking at the heated debates on, facebook amongst your friends or just uh oh my gosh some of the news networks and there's just so much going on out there, so much being said that when you just step back a step and say is this promoting the kingdom of god the bible says the kingdom of god is is uh, righteousness peace and joy in the holy spirit and it's like wow is that is that promoting the kingdom of God at all? It it almost seems like it's more divisive
1: mm-hmm. than anything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of people get... And I, just to back up, I personally, when I really became about God per se, or just like became a stronger Christian in my life, I used to be very involved or just, you know, always would discuss politics with people or be very interested... What was going on, and the more and more there, more and more I moved towards Christ, the less and less my interest in politics became. I know that's not the same for everybody, but that you know that go, really goes in tune with what we we're talking about or what we we're saying. Um, also, I've seen the love of politics that it, we're talking about, it's, you know, what your yoke is. I, I, I. I've seen people's love of politics kind of take take over their life where that that could be almost their god or their religion is politics um, and I mean it's one thing if you're a, 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 an elected official but it's another thing if you're you know just uh, another person and you and you let it run your life and you're you know you all you do is research stuff on the internet it could take over I, I believe that politics can take over your life like pop culture can take over your life mm-hmm. like, you know, anything else yeah. can. like you know, addiction can take over. It can be. Yeah. And I've seen it in people where they are addicted and it's you know, there's a couple of people that come to mind that, I mean send me emails, like four times a day, like, about mm-hmm. what Obama's doing or not doing and, or, you know, and it's just like, and I know they, and that's all I talk about and it's, that's not, I don't think that is something that it's very Christian.
3: Delete,
2: delete, <laughs> delete. <laughs> delete. Yeah, <laughs> delete, delete. Oh, I know, I do. I yeah. do yeah. that every okay. day. Yeah, you know, and uh, let's talk about the balance a little bit for a second because I think that's an important point here. Yeah. If anybody, <clears throat> this, excuse me, <clears throat> editing. <clears throat> <laughs> it it I thought you meant delete
1: the... Delete um, the mass. segment. <laughs>
2: <laughs> delete the it? email. Yeah. It took me a second, but I realized <laughs> what you were saying. like that's
1: yeah, kind of harsh. <laughs> <laughs> delete! <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, no, here's my point. Um, I, first of all... I, Christians can engage in politics there's yeah. no obviously there's no restriction on that, and yeah. our Christian worldview should be informing our decisions and our thinking and so in that way, Christianity determines can a, can have an effect on the way we vote or the or the decisions that we make. What is wrong is if you try to align Christianity with a particular party 's doctrine and say this party is more Christian because I I fear I I fear that when you make that decision, when you're trying to match your Christianity to your politics, that's where there's a problem, because then your Christianity is subject to the party politics. Right. But if your Christianity can inform your decisions, because it it should, it should be important, important Mm -hmm. enough that it helps us to make decisions and, and tell us, you know, discern right from wrong in a given situation. That's important. So a Christian should actively engage in politics and stand for policies that are Christian and that that match their worldview. But here's another danger. People are very fearful of the effect of policies and fearful of, of uh, decisions that are made in Washington, D.C. And yet the Bible is very clear that there is no law that guarantees our salvation. So just having a Christian... You know, in quotation marks, you couldn't see my air quotes there. Yeah. Just having a, a Christian law in effect does not in any way guarantee the salvation of the nation. Yeah. It does not in any way guarantee that people will be more righteous because of it. Because we all know that people will try and circumvent the law no matter whether it's a good law or a bad law. There are ways around it and there are characteristics um, that or there's a characteristic in people that they try and rebel against that. Um, But my main point is that laws in and of themselves can never make us more righteous or, or guarantee our salvation. So we have to be very careful how we approach things. So if someone is sending you emails, um, you know, without passing judgment, I would like to know motives. Are we scared you know, because I don't well, I don't believe that we're supposed to live in fear of these yeah. things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't believe that we should doubt God's ability to work in the midst of a situation that we may not like very much. We don't get to have things all our own way. Yeah. You know, that's why One of the deeper lessons of the, the Bible is that we don't get everything that yeah. that we want.
3: Things I think do. a lot of the emails that come that are, pass this on to 10 of your friends or the nation's going down the toilet. You know, I, I think a lot of those are maybe a well-intentioned, I've just become aware of this. Yes. And I want to make sure that everybody else is totally aware of it. Absolutely. And part of the problem with that is the spin, you know, you start looking at, there's a lot of stuff that gets passed around through emails and internet and stuff that when you look into, it, you find out it's actually a hoax or an urban myth anyway, and it's not really truthful. And so anything that has politics at all to do with it, you kind of wonder, what the real truth of the situation is because there's such an infighting and such a political pressure f- for things that you wonder how much of that is really truth. Anyway, yeah. I think, I think it comes, the the bottom line comes down to the person behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I, I do believe that there are some people that are probably called, just like some people are called into ministry to pastor a church or be a worship leader or be a children's leader in the church or whatever. I think there are some people that are called by God into the political system to serve the community and to serve the city and to serve the nation. And I think that it can happen that there are people who would actually have a call of God on their life to be that. To be who they are and to do what they do, and it doesn't really have anything to do with the policies and stuff as much as the it's the integrity and the character of the person uh, and I think that's where we see a lot of crazy stuff happen in the whole political realm is you think this is a person of integrity you th- you know but we see that in ministry uh Yes, in, in business as well. Business ministry. Yeah, and the bottom line
2: is, what kind of person right. is this person? Right. And 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 when I said, "What's the motive behind you know those emails?" That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Where does it come from? What was? Why did it start? Yeah. Yeah. It's important. And if you don't know, just as if you don't know what the Quran says. <laughs> And you're not, yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, how can you speak against it? I would almost rather, you know, ignore it if I'm yeah. if I'm not certain. Yeah, or just say, you know, I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah.
1: I don't know about that. Yeah. Ready for the next question? Yeah, baby. sure. You're me baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the one that. I sent you earlier in the week. How do I bring... The question is, how do I bring clarity to the idea that the Bible is a myth and not to be taken literally? It's a two-parter. And is it possible that all religions and science tell a similar story, but Jesus is the difference, a path to God?
2: I think the question is trying to clarify, is the Bible a myth or not? Is that the clarity that has to be brought? Um, is the Bible a myth or is it something that is reliably speaking accurate truth that we can trust in? That's how I read that question. Is that,
1: is that what? How do I bring clarity to the idea that the Bible is a myth and not to be taken literally? That's the question. I think
3: that there are, uh, I think that's an argument out there against Christianity and against the Bible. By people who will say, you know, we will say, uh, well, I believe this and I believe that. And they'll say, well, what do you believe? Why do you believe that way? Well, and we say, well, because the Bible says it. Because we believe that the Bible is the inspired uh, Word of God, written over a, a long period of time by a whole bunch of different authors, all bringing forth the same theme and the same idea. Therefore, we believe that it is actually the heart of God as men spoke it and as men wrote it, they were inspired by God to write down these things. And so we base our entire life, our entire, uh, everything that we believe based on that. Yet there are some people out there that would say, well, it's really kind of like a fairy tale. The Bible is kind of like a fairy tale. And, uh, you know, do, do you really believe that a man was swallowed by a whale and, and, uh, lived inside a, a whale? all this time do you really believe you know and and they'll go to these places in the bible that just seem beyond our ability to understand and use it as an opportunity to refute that we would live our life according to the bible because after all the
2: bible is a myth quote unquote Right. right, and there is a definite cultural trend towards that you can't you can 't deny that in the uh in society right now um, There is a strong move to try and um, uh, under undermine the Bible by claiming and and I think you're right in pointing out it 's not so much when people say the bible 's a myth. There are extremists who would say, well, Moses wasn't real, Abraham wasn't real, Jesus didn't really exist. But I don't think any serious scholar could ever agree with that, because there's enough uh, certain <laughs> certainty in the text. There's enough of a background. In fact, the Bible is one of the best documented uh, works of literature in the world. And so if you reject the Bible on that basis, you're ignoring our entire uh, structure of history and archaeology and uh, academics that...
1: Would agree with any other work out there except for the text. one that's called yeah. the Bible. And there's other texts from that time period that give clarity to the Bible or give like a stor- historical right other doctrines that, yeah. that's not the Bible <coughs> that speaks of things in the Bible that brings you know, that would make it even that it's much like outside you. outside right. support for the Bible.
2: It's not just based on what it says itself, but there's right. there's. Documented support for it that is extra biblical. Um, yes, that that's an important point. When someone says, "Is it a myth?" We're not talking about made-up stories or fairy tales because there is sound historical and archaeological foundation for saying that these were actual people, actual events. And anyone that chooses that argument is really on very shaky territory themselves, because they would have to reject any ancient text and any ancient history. Um, which are far less reliable than the Bible, so the question is really over supernatural miracles and the supernatural provision of God, and that 's where uh, the arguments rest: Can you believe in in a God that does things outside of the natural order and with the in our culture right now with its its faith in reason and logic and scientific process, there are some people that cannot allow in their thinking any anything that is supernatural or outside of the created order and so if they choose to reject that their hope is to undermine the whole Bible itself and say it's just it's a it's a fabrication
3: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: but given the Bible's reliability as a historic document you have to be willing to accept that there are things that we don't fully understand and don't comprehend and yet they exist and we, have, we all can share stories and from our own lives of being witness to supernatural events that we cannot explain. Yeah. And, and uh, a skeptic can choose to argue, but they can't <laughs> deny the, the experiences. I
3: think the uh, concept of faith comes in with what you're saying, that to accept God and accept the Bible as true takes an element of faith. We cannot have a purely intellectual approach to God. Right. Even though I believe that God allows us to understand and have an intellectual pursuit and study. And he wants us to use our minds that he gave us. He, I believe in all that, but it's still, it cannot be done only from the intellectual uh, uh, perspective. It, ha- it takes that element of faith because that's what, that's what God wants from us. That's what he expects from us is the faith to believe that he is. The faith to believe that he wanted to communicate to man, and so in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and therefore it was written down that we might have a written Logos, a a written Word that we might be able to experience who he is. But it takes faith to do that. And I just don't think that our approach to God can be done Purely intelligic- intellig- uh, intelligently and uh, and logically. It has to have the element of faith in it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A big argument that I hear a lot is that... Over time, the telephone game. When you, when you tell one person one thing, and that person tells another person, that ter- person tells another person, the story changes over time. And... That may be true today, and it is true I mean with with the different media outlets we have now, things can change uh, things can be fabricated, stories can change, but in that day and age, there was no internet, obviously, there was no telephones, there wasn't a a big gossip chain like that. Storytelling was taken seriously, and it, it, i i 'm pulling this from a documentary that I saw about the 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 stories mainly of the new testament that when stories passed down about jesus and and the and the matthew mark luke and john and how they have different different stories about the same same thing that happened or different perspectives i should say not stories uh just different perspectives uh those stories were or the the way they those storytellers because they are storytellers or, or fact givers or however you want to say it uh, when they when they write when they put it down on paper and give it to and disperse it, they're not the only people around them that were witnessing Jesus they weren't the only people that that had descendants that followed Jesus Christ and so if they put anything down that was false or fabricated it it was definitely. A, a custom in that day and age to s- resolve that or correct yeah, yeah. resolve that 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 doctrine. So I mean, just I mean, I, I I know I it was this is secondhand, ironically coming from a documentary that I saw, but it gave me a lot of peace in seeing that in in the way they described it. I wish I could name off the documentary that it was, but it was you know in short, the people that wrote the Bible the in that culture the the things that they the stories that they told what they wrote down had to be had to align with what the people around them saw and if it didn't it would be corrected well and i think if you take it further than that the in the jewish tradition
2: most of the text was committed to memory Mm um and they took that far more seriously than we do today. They, You know, their veneration of the word of the, say, the Old Testament now, for we're talking about the Jewish tradition, um, their veneration of the word was so important that they deliberately memorized it word for word and did not allow for error to creep in. And they took great pains to, to maintain their written records of, of their trans of the the Bible itself, of their holy books, in order to guarantee that there was that clear transition from culture to culture, so they did not allow by their their nature of, of how seriously they took uh, the writings, they did not allow for the Chinese whispers to creep in uh, to distort the text, and that 's one of the major reasons why we can say the Bible is one of the best documented, most accurate books that we have from ancient history because of the peculiar nature of those that wrote it and how carefully yeah. they maintained it. Mm-hmm. And that's why when uh, fragments of, of Scripture are uncovered from different parts of the world, mm-hmm. they, they are found to corroborate and support yeah. what is already in the text. Yeah. Usually when there's debate over something like the Dead Sea Scrolls, what happens is it's the commentary, the extra-biblical commentary yeah. that differs, not yeah. the original text yeah. itself.
3: And the New Testament writers would have carried forth the same tradition.
2: Yes. The you same know. veneration
3: of the, the written word. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the idea too that like with the four Gospels because everybody was looking at it from a different perspective, the idea that like even in a court of law today, they would say if everybody's story is exactly the same, then you'll know that there was a collaborative effort worked out in advance right. you know, yeah. to cover something up. And it's putting together the different little nuances of the story from the different storytellers that allows us to really see the the full spectrum of what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I love the I love the idea that in the in the text that was chosen to be part of the Bible, you do have the, the four different gospels with different perspectives. And one of those actually being Luke, the doctor, who would sit down and apparently wrote his later, after the other ones were already out to say, you know, I have decided to sit down and write so that this might be fully documented from the perspective of a a very meticulous, very thoughtful uh, doctor type person who is used to documenting things to write that down. But then not only to stop there, but to continue with the book of Acts and to carry it on into the, the writings of what was going on in the early church. To me, it's like, that's brilliant. You know, you yeah. could have just thought that one up. That had to be inspired by the Holy spirit.
2: Right. Right. And getting back to the, to the question we were asked on, on, uh, whether it's a myth and whether it should be taken literally as well. I think that that's, uh, another aspect of this that, that we should talk about. Um, do you read the Bible literally word for word? And I think you have to be very careful how you approach that concept because the Bible was not written in English. And so those that hold too fast to a a literal uh, interpretation of the Bible based on the English text, they have to be careful that they are not um, uh, making the mistake we we referred to earlier of eisegesis, of reading into the text what they would like to have. Um, But they need to have some understanding of the grammatical and social and historical context of what is written and the language that it's written in, in order to understand the, act, the original meaning, the in, intent of it. Yeah. And and that is important. So whether you can argue whether the Bible should be taken literally, has the question has to be, well, which, which version of the Bible are you talking about, yeah. for one thing? Um, how hard do you hold on to that? Plus you have to acknowledge this, which I think is very important that rather than reading the Bible in a strictly literal sense, you have to read it as literary because the Bible is not one book, but a compilation of numerous books that have different styles. So when I read the poetry books of the Bible, I read them as poetic, full of imagery that isn't necessarily literal yet it's figurative, but it conveys truth. The image conveys truth, or if I read the historical books of the Bible, I choose to read those as a as a historically accurate and I, in a more literal sense yeah. this is what actually happened these are actual people these are actual events and so that approach of or if it's a letter written to a people group you know uh, yeah. encouraging them um, to to face whatever challenges they had. Well, learn what challenges they were facing, learn what they were dealing with, and then look at the response that they had or the encouragement that they had in light of that. And it informs you. It gives you a better understanding. So rather than reading it in an overly literal sense, I read it in a literary sense. And what's spoken as historic truth, I read as historic truth. What's spoken in a more figurative sense, I read in a more figurative sense. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Or am I in dangerous territory? I love love people? I think that's
1: really good. (laughs) It's bringing up questions myself about the Old Testament and the rules of the Old Testament. And I think it would be obvious that slavery is wrong. And I mean, there's a lot of things that, that happen in the Old Testament that aren't applicable today. But it does mention things that are applicable today. Is it... And this is really a question it, it would not can we use the parts that are applicable and then say hey the bible says we shouldn't do this but you know and it's something that's applicable say okay for example tattoos say, i was just thinking that same example say in leviticus if leviticus
2: says do not mark your body or something along right. those lines yeah. and
1: people have used that to say you shouldn't have tattoos and but just in you know scriptures before and after it's crazy rules that we would never follow uh, today, even in the most fundamentalist Christian churches, they don't. So, but some Christians would use the the tattoo scripture.
2: But they wouldn't stone an adulteress, for example. Yeah. You know, they would say, yeah, right. you can't tattoo your body, but they would and they would not follow the commandment to stone the adulteress. Yeah. Right. The
1: question is, where's the line? Like, does it, we not take anything in the Old Testament literal, or you know what what do we what don't we? well that's not
2: a question of literal as much as application right which which laws are universal and are always applicable in every given situation and which commandments and laws have a more um local flavor to them and are applicable to a certain people group in a certain location dealing with certain uh uh, surroundings yeah which
3: reminds me of Jesus kind of bringing the answer to that of saying that uh, uh, I came not to see how did it go? I just I just lost my train of thought. Abolish he came the to law. He came to fulfill the law rather than to abolish. it. Uh, yeah, and he seemed to spend a lot of his teaching time speaking to the things that were the law like the letter of the law, but bringing forth the idea of the spirit of the law. So I, you know, that's a good question. Like, where do we draw the line? Mm-hmm. I think, I think we have the Holy spirit to lead us and guide us to know where that line is. Cause there's some things that we would do, uh, just because of the letter of the law. But then there's other things we wouldn't do. And I think that when we, I think that when Jesus came, he came to create something new, concerning the law not that we would ignore it all but we would have a greater understanding of how to apply that to our lives in a non-legalistic but yet a helpful way
2: yeah and for example much of that uh that law of moses that john brought up the commandments about um which things you can and cannot do they were for the purpose of making the people righteous before god whereas jesus in his death and resurrection provided righteousness for us. And we're no longer, um, we are no longer, uh, uh, required to maintain that same level of ceremonial ritual in order to provide righteousness for us. Yeah. But he has become righteousness. Yeah. And so the application of those Old Testament rules has to be done through that filter that there is nothing that we can do except submitting our lives to Jesus' Lordship that provides righteousness for us. So, you know, anytime someone makes a rule like that and they're making a hard and fast determination, I will not do this because it defiles me. You You have to make sure that your relationship is right with God. And I think people are responsible. Let me add to this. People are responsible for whatever truth is revealed to them. So if they have heard clearly from God, I should not do this, then they better not do it. Yeah. But that does not mean that God requires that same thing of every person. Yeah. And that's where the danger, the legalism comes in. What I believe is right, I require others to do as well. Yeah. And that's where it gets dangerous, because there you cannot force someone into righteousness. Yeah. You can only allow them to, to submit their lives to Jesus Christ, where his righteousness becomes ours. Yeah. Jesus was the game changer. Yeah. Game changer. In, in the same way that we don't,
3: on Sunday mornings, you'll never see at Cornerstone us actually sacrificing an animal. Right. On the altar right. on Sunday morning.
1: I think it's very important we don't pick and choose scriptures from the Old Testament to oppress people today, mm-hmm. which I think some people in our past are guilty of. You know, it's, I don't like to see the bible be used to constrict and oppress no
2: you know? of course not and god takes that seriously yet it's, even still you can glean things of course that have universal application like the ten commandments mm-hmm. there is something of a universal application of those rules that because because they're not i think it's partly because they're not as specific in one sense as right. tattoos you know they're more general principles that we should live by I I fully agree that those things are still in place. We still should worship only God. We still should not commit adultery. We should not murder others. You know, you know what I mean? Those are those are things that
1: that are more uh, uh universal in their application. Right. Good. Um in the second part of the question, I just didn't want to neglect it. It says, "Is it possible that all religions and science tell a similar story, but Jesus is the difference—a path to God?" You know that's a, a loaded question
2: these days because of the arguments that are that are out there right yeah. now. You know, especially with um, questions of universalism and are are all people able to come to a knowledge of God and and, and so on, or from the opposite point of view, the skeptics that that claim that that God is irrelevant anymore. We don't need God to explain how things are, are necessary. It, you know, In those contexts, that question becomes difficult to answer mm-hmm. without offending somebody.
1: Yeah.
2: But if I could have a, a stab at it, I would say this, that um, God is at work everywhere in this world, and this whole universe that we live in uh, is evidence of Him It's evidence of his creative power. It's evidence of his divine providence. There's evidence of his hand um, at work uh, throughout his creation. And you can choose to either be enlightened by that or to reject it. And that's really where, uh, where the line has to be drawn. That you can discover God outside of the church. You can discover God outside of the Bible. You can discover God... Um, in a movie theater, uh, watching a uh, a secular, for lack of a better word, movie, you can you know God's God's spirit is at work and His His handiwork is evident throughout His creation. You can discover God in rock and roll music that has nothing to do with Christianity. I think that His spirit is able to come through and guide people into truth, no matter whether they fit into a Christian box or not. So, in that sense does some other religion have a handle on a truth that expresses truth about god yes does confucius in his in his secular wisdom inform us with some aspects of truth i would say yes Confucius said, a wise man has more questions than answers. I believe that's true. <laughs> you know, I believe that he discovered something of truth. There's also things, and I don't know him very well. I'm sure he taught some things that we would, we would reject yeah. as not true. Yeah. So is it possible to, to understand something of God and not be a Christian? I hope so. Yeah. I hope yeah. that God's Spirit can get through to people no matter where they're at. Because Christians can't always be there to share the truth. And yet God's Spirit is able to communicate through His creation. So that is possible. However, the second part of the question was, is Jesus the difference? And I would say, yes. That ultimately, the Spirit of God, the purpose of the Spirit of God, is to bring, to open us up, to be able to look at Jesus Christ as different than everything else that exists, as different from every other religious leader, Every other religious system, every other person that has ever lived in the history of the earth, he is a difference maker. He is different. He is what separates Christianity from every other religion. The very fact that in Jesus Christ we don't have to work for our righteousness, but he gives it to us, is a mark of distinction from every other religion that requires you to do something to earn favor, to earn righteousness, to earn right standing before whatever God they say they worship. You know the the wording
3: of that question too was, Jesus a path to God. Well, is he a path to God or is he the path to God? You know, his according to his words, there's one mediator between man and God, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's right. like it's like we come from that that perspective, yet there's this concept out there. That's called syncretism, which is the idea of I'm going to take a little bit of Buddha, Buddha, I'm going to take a little bit of Hinduism, I'm going to take a little bit of Christianity, I'm going to take a little uh, internet savvy, you know, I'm going, a, I'm going to bring a whole bunch of things together, and that's going to be that's what I'm going to believe God
2: is. Right. Whereas, that, and that, that is the point at which that philosophy fails. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I personally believe that Jesus is the way the truth and the life and there is only one way to God there's not just there are many windows into heaven and Jesus is one of them because he was a wonderful prophet and so if that works for you uh, that's good but I found this door and this window and this little thing over here I I think those people might be surprised at the outcome of
1: that yeah I I still think that you can experience God though outside of the church or, or Christianity. Absolutely. Even. I like how Rob Bell put it, how he he was saying that when a person you know has their first child, that he believes that they're experiencing God and what they're feeling, or seeing the Grand Canyon for the first time, or uh, getting married, that those are all God moments, whether you believe in Him or not, and that most people in the world just need to be shown that what they are experiencing is God not that which is a
2: good point yeah God is at work throughout this this world all things are spiritual all things are spiritual In fact, I even love in Revelation 3 where, where that famous phrase of, of where Jesus is knocking on the door and if you open, he will come in. And a lot of people personalize that as the door of your heart or yes. something. Yes. But if you read that, that in context, it's the door of a church. Jesus is actually outside of the church mm-hmm. while everybody is in there worshiping and having their meetings and enjoying their fellowship. And Jesus is outside knocking, hoping to come in. And I think that puts it should change our perspective a little bit. God is at work where he needs to be at work he's with the poor he's with those that are in need he's with the oppressed and our job is to go reveal where god is in their lives and reveal where god has been working to people so that they understand things better and there are many paths that can lead people to god as many paths as there are people with their various experiences but ultimately they are brought to that point where they have to uh, reconcile themselves to Jesus Christ. Yeah. And there's been a theme in our talk today about the Holy
3: Spirit leading us into all truth. Yeah. So, yes, God could lead a person through the Avatar movie unto himself. You did me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> a story for next week. I'm to <laughs> <can> hear that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, I, when I, when I, before I became a Christian, I went to see Jesus Christ Superstar, you know, the movie. You know, and it's just like, oh, it just impacted me, and I just was open to Jesus that gave His life. And then after I got saved, I saw the same movie like several years later, and I thought, oh my gosh, so there's a lot of weirdness in it's there. So <laughs> you, you know, it's like, how did that happen? Well, God, by His mercy and His grace. You know, brings us to him because he's no man comes but the Spirit of God draw him, and we know that God is drawing all men unto himself. And wherever Jesus is lifted up, then there's going to be that drawing effect. And we know that Jesus loves us so much, God loves us so much, he's not willing that anyone should perish. And so he's constantly drawing us through whatever we have in front of us, whether it's a movie or a
2: you know all the other uh, or the grand canyon you, the, right? grand, yeah. the grand canyon yeah i you know yeah yeah and that's because god is is able he's he he's yeah. there he's alongside them whether people acknowledge it or not god is walking alongside them um, uh, day by day and every day there's an opportunity to to, to learn more about him to yeah. to find discover more truth
0: yeah if you want it God's got it. He's got everything you need. If you want it. God's got it. He got everything you need. He got every, everything a poor man needs. Walking around like a vagabond. Troubles are on your back. Looking for money, looking for friends, and you don't know who to add, if you want it, God's got it, he's got everything.